0: ancient civilizations, alien contact, the new psychedelic revolution, cryptocurrency, and other disruptive and distributed technologies, and much more. This is Future Sense. You're tuned to Future Sense now, and of course it is the holiday season. It's a couple of days before Christmas, as you well know. So we're laying back fairly casual today. But nevertheless, we have some themes to talk about, and hopefully you find them interesting. You can always dialogue with us. In between sipping our coconut juice. Oh, the coconut juice. Mm completely straight at this time of day. There's nothing, nothing extra in the coconut juice. Um, what are we talking about today, Mr. McDonnell?
1: Well, um, I think we'll talk just a little bit about uh,
0: some of the mythology around Christmas, yes. the origins of yes. it, briefly. So, true or untrue, we don't really know. There's some crazy stories out there, but yeah,
1: that's right. And then, uh, and then I thought we'd have a bit of a, a chat about utopianism, mm. and yes. uh, and later in the show, in the second half of the show, uh, look at some not so hidden agendas. Mm. Yeah, indeed. They're happening globally.
0: And we should probably frame today's discussion a little bit just in, in the uh, in the knowledge of the intense fires that are occurring across Australia at the moment in four states. I think it's about 200 fires currently. Uh, pretty crazy situation, to, to say the least. And the tragic in the case of South Australia uh, yesterday, I think some 72 homes were lost in South Australia. And, um, yeah a sort of just dystopian vision, I guess you could say, is what's happening across Australia at the moment with um, with fires. It certainly has been that way. I saw a tweet yesterday
1: from somebody in Melbourne saying that there were fire alarms being set off by bushfire smoke in Melbourne, but the fires were actually in Sydney, yeah, that's which amazing. is quite a long way from Melbourne. Indeed. And, uh, and there was even evidence in a satellite, a short satellite video showing the the f- fire smoke heading sort of out into western New South Wales and then curling back around to Melbourne, which is just extraordinary.
0: Extraordinary. Yeah, so our hearts and minds and love and compassion go out to all the people who've lost and are still battling. And um, there's nothing much to say about it uh, there, but for the grace of God go those of us who are in relatively comfortable situations right now. And We've had our local uh, intensity and our local uh, uh, danger a few weeks ago. Let's hope that that doesn't happen again. It's um yeah indeed big stuff. You are tuned to Future Sense here with Nick Jeans and Steve McDonald on Future Sense through till eleven o'clock this morning. On this couple of days before Christmas, uh, we're we're feeling a little loose and free this morning, and very happy to receive any texts that you might like to drop us about anything that we're talking about or anything you'd like to bring attention to. Double oh, sorry zero four three seven three four Tri three four one double one nine you can say it lots of ways but you're smart enough to, to know it I hope hope so. Christmas uh, time of year, um, it, it was my father's birthday, we were just talking about that earlier today on, on Saturday and some other friends of friends of ours, and I do believe Claire W. Graves was also born on December the 21st, I think, 1914.
1: I think that's right, mm. yeah. So happy birthday I, to him. I did see
0: somebody posted uh,
1: happy birthday to him
0: on social media ah, over the weekend. beautiful. Yeah. So of course this time of year with Christmas, and it's also just been the solstice on Saturday at 3.21pm in the afternoon on Saturday, and that conjunction, so to speak, of uh, of the the solstice, the summer solstice here, the winter solstice in the Northern Hemisphere, and the, the Christmas time and the supposed birth of Jesus and all of that it seems to be a rather confusing time for actually what this period represents actually for us.
1: It is. And uh, if I mean, if you look at what actually happens on the solstice, mm. you can understand where some of the, our current stories have come from. And uh, of course, due to the, the tilt on the Earth's axis as we orbit mm. around the sun. And, and interestingly, I, I had a look at a, a nice little short video about the Earth's orbit around the sun, which of, of course is a spiraling action as yeah. we spiral through the galaxy, um, that it's it's not actually uh, a, a uniform orbit at all. Mm. Each time we go around the sun, it, it's uh, all on a slightly different kind of mm. angle, and, and it's, it's kind of an elliptic. Mm. Um, it's very interesting to look at actually uh, anyway because of the tilt on our axis the, the angle of uh, the earth in relation to the sun shifts and this is what of course gives us our our uh, variable summers and winters in the northern and southern hemispheres and as we go around the sun that the it looks like it's actually the sun sort of uh, tilting in relation to the earth but it's it's our tilt that does it yeah. and uh, at the end of, of each um seasonal six-month movement of the sun through our sky, um, we, we come to the end of that uh, trajectory and, and the sun stands still for a short period of time. Yes. And, and to the naked eye, it really looks like the sun stands still for about three days. And, and the ancients would say, particularly at the winter solstice, that the sun would die uh, because it, it basically was stationary for for those few days, yeah. and uh, you know the shortest day of the year and the, the coldest part of the year, uh, and then of course it was reborn and started to move again. Yes, and that might sound familiar. That story It does sound a little
0: like uh, some of our religious yeah. stories. It Strangely, does, it? that yeah. it's and interesting because the word solstice, I think you looked up, literally means sort of the sun standing still, as you're making saying, making a stand, making yeah, making a stand from the Latin origin. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Great.
1: yeah, yeah, it is interesting, and of course, if you look at the history of uh, Christianity, you'll find that uh, it was very, very much wrapped up in politics and power and, and uh, conquest and inevitably when uh, the Christian Roman forces would move into a, an area they would seek to uh, make Christianity the dominant spiritual belief system or wherever they went and, and often the way they did that was to uh, to um, take over the, the local sacred sites and build a church on top of them uh, and uh, and in that process it's easy to see how some of the uh, original sort of earth-based belief systems which were based on Mm. simple observation of of nature uh,
0: were incorporated into the christian stories as well and i guess interestingly too if uh, churches and particularly some of the great cathedrals of the really monumental uh, and amazing architecture of some of the christian buildings and other religions too that have been placed on those earlier sites I guess, with or without knowing perhaps the power of the particular location with regards to ley lines or dragon lines as they're also called in various places in the world. With or without that knowledge, maybe they did know, maybe they didn't know. I think
1: in some cases they certainly did, particularly uh, in the the sort of Gothic era where uh, Mm. people like the Templars were involved in sighting and building some of those amazing cathedrals.
0: But to one way or the other, of course, the power of, uh, of the Earth's magnetic grid, grid, if you will, or, or sort of uh, unseen grid that, uh, that maybe has very many qualities that we're still yet to totally understand, uh, infuse these new Christian or other um, expressions, uh, buildings, uh, with this energy, whether they knew it or not. So that, in a sense, was a sort of capture of power, you could argue, whether, whether it was done consciously or otherwise.
1: Yeah, definitely, mm. definitely
0: very interesting stuff. Interesting
1: mix of um, belief systems.
0: And that's the thing, so many belief systems mixed in at this time um, the solstice on Saturday was interesting and our good friend Varij Viridian, known to many people here in this region, one of the one of the best astrologers here, uh, talked a little bit about that in, uh, in a post the other day on social media. He quotes first of all Osho, uh, Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, saying times change the world changes but the experience of silence remains the same this is the only thing you can rely on and in some ways, because we're going to be talking about utopia, dystopia and madness or hypersanity a bit later on. But in a way, I think that's, that's the thing. Now, the noise of reality at the moment is, is kind of excruciating. I think that to find a place where silence can emerge still is not an easy thing. And I guess in this region, we, many of us seek that. Through various practices.
1: And I think for a lot of people it's uh, found over this Christmas period too, you know, where most people stop work, uh, with the exception, mm. of course, of our, our wonderful emergency services people who are often most busy at this time of the year.
0: Yeah, yeah indeed. Um, the uh, astrological chart for the solstice on Saturday, which is still current, uh, the Sun was conjunct Jupiter at that point and and Uranus in Taurus which is a strong thing to begin the, the, uh, just before the new year and bodes well for taking far-sighted and innovative action to address long-standing and now urgent economic and ecological issues. This is kind of important. Whilst the Saturn-Pluto conjunction at the same time, which sextiled Mars in Scorpio, applies the necessary contractive pressure and corresponding will to survive to push us along the birth canal, into a longed-for new world. There's that idea of the new world, the utopian sort of idea, perhaps, there. But that idea, as we've talked about often, of the slingshot effect, where there is this tense, uh, this pressure, this pullback within uh, within the energy on the planet, generally speaking. We've seen that, we've just seen that uh, a strong representation of that uh, on the solstice in this, in this period that we're in right now.
1: Very interesting, yeah.
0: Yeah. Ha and let's um also we've got a really wonderful post from our dear friend Dina, who helps us out with our podcasts about the length of the days. It's quite a lot. Did you read that? It's a rather interesting piece about tidal friction on the planet and the and the uh, the longest day that may have happened on the earth. And they reckon it was in nineteen hundred and
1: twelve. Yeah, it you is know, interesting one. Is- yeah, it's talking about the fact that uh, it, uh, from year to year, the the length of time is not exactly the same. It does vary by a few seconds yeah. for various reasons. Yeah. yeah, which is quite interesting. Uh, if anyone's interested in the uh, the relative motion of the Earth and the Sun yeah. and the solstice phenomena, I'm just going to post a link on uh, our social media you can read a bit more about that
0: yes and our uh, social media media is uh, at, twi- at future sense show on twitter at future sense show and also I uh, should mention our website future it, where you can go to all of our podcasts and we also have a Facebook page which, uh, which we often post on as well um, the the uh I often have talked about in the past the the idea about Christmas from a completely different angle, and that is that uh, that perhaps the representations, the colours, and in fact Santa Claus himself, uh, comes from certain traditions which we we don't uh, give uh, enough credence to, and uh, sometimes associated with with fairy tales and. In this case, is to do with the idea that Santa Claus, the modern Santa Claus, the omnipotent man, I'm quoting here from an article in the New York Times from a couple of years ago, who travels the globe in one night bearing gifts and who's camped out in shopping malls across the world this month, is linked to a, a hallucinogenic mushroom uh, and an hallucinogenic mushroom-eating shaman from the Arctic. Uh, and these are called the Sami people of Lapland. What do we know about this? Pretty wild stuff. Yeah, we know a little
1: bit about it. Uh, the story goes that these uh, interesting-looking red and white mm. mushrooms grow in that part of the world.
0: Amanita muscaria, it's them, yeah.
1: And and they're, I mean, they're the Christmas colours, aren't they? Red, Christmas
0: colours, yeah. yeah. And in fact, according to uh, writer and mycologist Lawrence Millman, the shaman would make use of Amanita muscaria's psychoactive effects in order to perform healing rituals. The use of Amanita muscaria is an, as an entheogen that is a drug used to bring about a spiritual experience, would enable the shamans to act as intermediaries between the spirit and the human world, bringing gifts of healing and problem-solving. Although these mushrooms are poisonous, the Sami reduced their toxicity by drying them, and also there are other ways. We'll come back to the reindeer, perhaps, or we'll get to the reindeer in a minute. Various accounts describe the shaman and the rituals performed in ways that are fascinatingly similar to the narrative of Santa, an all-knowing man who defies space and time, flying reindeer, reindeer-drawn sleds, climbing down the chimney, the giving of gifts, uh, the tales of the Sami shamans have it all. So all of these figures that we, we hold so dear in our childhood in our Western world and other places uh, have these heritages in, uh, in a folklore that perhaps has some kind of uh, origins in the use of uh, hallucinogenic mushrooms.
1: Pretty yeah. wild. Just a, a small correction there. Oh, the thank you. The piece you were reading said that the Amanita muscaria is poisonous. It's not actually poisonous. I ate one once, in fact. Uh, but uh, apparently, that you know, they do. it does have some mild uh, toxicity, which can be filtered out through that method that the Sami shamans used.
0: And that method was to actually drink the reindeer. piss. the idea in some of these stories, and uh, many of you would know these, are familiar with this story, and there are different versions of it, but certainly... The, uh, according to these reports, the Sami noticed over, over you know millennia, perhaps that the reindeer would eat these mushrooms, uh, and they would eat them not just for food, but they would eat them for some other reason. But what happened was they'd also drink their own piss. So they would uh, they would consume the mushrooms, they would process the mushrooms, and somehow remove uh, any of the toxicity that was there, uh, piss out the rest, and then the sh- the shamans would drink the reindeer piss. I, I think what they actually did was
1: uh, wait for the reindeer to pee in the snow and then go and eat the snow. Right. That's, that's what the BBC reported
0: anyway. <laughs> well, the BBC it know. must be true. <laughs> it's true. It, but it's interesting too because these theories about, the, the wider theory about uh, the acceleration of uh, of the human brain, uh, the, the brain of the average homo erectus doubled in size about 700,000 to 2 million years ago and um, and that's never been really explained. How that happened in such a quick space of time?
1: No, I don't think anybody was studying it at the time, actually. <laughs> but um, I, I, something that has come out in very recent research into some of these psychedelic medicines is that they can result in neurogenesis. So uh, yeah. the, the various compounds in the mm. the medicines can uh, cause the formation of new brain cells. So you know, I, I guess it's not beyond the realms of
0: possibility. Yeah, well, uh, as uh, Paul Stamets says, and many people would be familiar with Paul Stamets, the mycologist who's been here in this, uh, in this show and talking a couple of times at some conferences a few years ago, because uh, this, this idea is called the stoned ape theory, and he says it's a very, very plausible hypothesis hypothesis, <laughs> hypothesis for the sudden evolution of Homo sapiens from our primate relatives. He said what's really important for you to understand is that there was a sudden doubling of the human brain about 200,000 years ago he says from an evolutionary point of view that's an extraordinary expansion and there's no explanation for this sudden increase in the human brain and the idea being that uh, yeah that our ancestors way back there started eating psychedelics of some sort or other and it created this a neurogenetic response mm. interesting
1: interesting uh, hypothesis yes
0: how does it fit in how does something like that fit in with Claire W Graves that we Based much of the shows, uh, well, uh, approach on. I don't think it does. No, there to go. be really honest, you yes, know, so Graves
1: thought. Graves was a pretty down to earth kind of guy, and just reported on the data that he collected during his research. So he intended not to uh, to speculate at all, really, and was you know pretty careful about that. Mm which I think is why his work is so valuable.
0: <laughs> well, we are speculating today, folks, because it is Christmas time and anything goes, sort of. Uh, let's start, play... You found this little piece. It's just a brief um, couple of minutes from the BBC. This is, this is the word from the BBC, yeah. Yeah, the official, the official uh, viewpoint. Have a listen to the, uh, the BBC on magic mushrooms and reindeer.
2: In the Arctic Circle, this fungus also has magical associations with animals. Fly agaric contains hallucinogenic chemicals and is a favorite food of reindeer. For thousands of years, the lives of reindeer and Sami people have been entwined. Fly agaric was important to both of them. In autumn, reindeer seek out the mushrooms, even under an early fall of snow. no one knows whether the reindeer are affected but in the past sami shamans took fly agaric in their visionary rituals they even drank urine from reindeer believed to be under the influence in trance they contacted the great reindeer spirit In humans, the drug heightens senses and creates visions of flying. Some believe the greatest of all modern myths arose in the Sami's visionary flights of fancy. Perhaps early 19th century ideas drew on these stories to create a Christmas legend.
0: You go. That's the BBC and some dramatic music and sound effects there to to go with it. You can check out that video. It's quite easy to find. Uh, magic mushrooms and reindeer from the BBC. Um, interesting too, though, that on a purely scientific level, just going back to reindeer, I thought this was interesting. An article from New Scientist recently that there's a whole range of amazing innovations uh, that uh, allow um, reindeer to survive in the in the frigid Arctic. For example, their eyes change color like living sunglasses from gold in summer to blue in winter. They see the world in glorious ultraviolet. They can switch their body clocks on and off, produce lots of vitamin D even in limited sunlight, and grow antlers up to a meter long in just a few months. What's more, we might be able to borrow some of those abilities. Discovering more about Rudolph could lead to new ways of tackling jet lag, insomnia, and cancer, and even allow us to grow new limbs. Thanks to recent work revealing the genetic underpinnings of reindeer's unusual traits, their superpowers could one day be ours. There's about five million reindeer still roaming the frozen north, from Alaska to Siberia and Greenland. That's a lot of reindeer. That's a lot, isn't it? Look,
1: you've just reminded me too about a recent cryon, channeling, and uh, speaking of superpowers, um, and uh, cryon, of course, has a a wonderful, uh, solid uh, reputation for for accurately predicting scientific breakthroughs. he's been talking about them for about 30 years now and has been amazingly mm. accurate. Uh, and uh, one of the latest cryon channeling said that uh, there is an invention coming which will allow us to view um, our um, energetic bodies and it, it sounds like it's a you know like a, some sort of device that, that can pick up mm. um, something on the ultraviolet end of the spectrum he, mm. he indicated, which would allow us to see what's been described in in, uh, sort of mythology as as our Merkabah or our spiritual vehicle uh, which is in scientific terms uh, an energy field that surrounds our body uh, which basically has been spoken about in mostly religious texts really Mm. but but science hasn't kind of um, identified it or or proven that it's there yet but cry on saying that an invention is coming uh, and uh, from what He was saying he didn't give an actual time frame, but it sounds like it's not all that far away. That will allow us, through a process of of supercooling and using this device to be able to to map these uh, Mm. uh, magnetic uh, subtle energy fields. So I mean, Mm. that's quite fascinating. And uh, he said it's going to change the world in kind of like in the same way that the wheel did, it's going to have like an extensive, wide-ranging impact on, on human existence, uh, and not the least of which I think will be in relation to our health, because you he said by reading this uh, field, its energy field around the body, we'll be able to see anything that's out of order.
0: Mm. And, uh, and of course there are, there are people who can do this already one way or the other to see auras, if you will, or to see energy fields in this way, and I'm thinking as you speak that it sounds like the next uh, the next level of Curlian photography which is quite well known as a, as a photography that can read, that can um, take a photograph of... of Certainly sort of... Of auric, auric yeah, fields, which is it's different it's to what you're saying. Pretty but vague, but... It's, yeah. it's a bit vague. Yeah, But some people can see these things, of course, which is amazing. And those capacities yeah. seem to be arising yeah. uh, more this and is, more. This is science, though, Nick. <laughs>
1: anyway I look forward to, to From seeing our cry on channel this yes advice and yeah, oh, I'm just, you know <laughs> I was wondering if Apple might be going to release it sometime yeah. soon or something like that but we'll, we'll see we'll find out
0: we will thanks uh, for a couple of your texts that have come in uh, and you you're in the spirit of uh, of what we're on about today because we're just having a bit of fun. Nikki Ramon has written in and said, uh, Didn't you get the memo? Never eat yellow snow. (laughs) Merry Crickle to you. Thank you. Thank you. And from Howie, a new Aussie beer for Christmas, reindeer piss to celebrate deer rain pissing down. Yeah, like that. That's good.
1: I I get that. (laughs) That
0: could sell. That could sell. That could sell. Yeah. And, um, hi, good morning. I was thinking how women had to pretend to be men to get their books published. Then maybe Mother Christmas had to do the same because it's been traditionally mums who do the job of supplying presents. I don't, yeah, okay. Presents. <laughs> I, I, I remember uh, my good friend Troy Planner had a, had a bumper sticker when he lived in the 90s. It used to read, uh, I'm forever unwrapping the eternal present. Mm-hmm. I like that one. You've been listening to Future Sense, a podcast edited from the radio show of the same name, broadcast on Bay FM in Byron Bay, Australia, at bayfm.org. Future Sense is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. The future is here now. It's just not evenly distributed.